G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Let's get a little bit of insight into the push for increasingly extreme abortion laws as that's continuing now in the state of South Australia where abortion could soon be legal up to birth. There is a bill before the South Australian State Parliament commissioned by the Attorney-General Vicky Chapman and introduced by Minister Michelle Lensick, uh, which would radically liberalise South Australia's abortion laws. Well, Damien Wilde leads the Australian Family Coalition. Damien's joining us. Hi, Damien. Welcome back to 2020. G'day, Neil. How are you? I'm really well, thank you, Damien, and thanks so much for joining us. A bit of an update here. Serious consequences uh, for what happens in a state like South Australia if this goes forward. We've seen what's happened in other states around Australia. This bill, though, Damien, being put forward under the guise of decriminalisation. Give us your insights into what you think. Well, it's ironic, Neil, that South Australia was one of the first um, jurisdictions in the whole country to actually um, legalise abortion more than 50 years ago, in fact. Um, but now it's one of the last places, uh, as you said, to succumb to this push for increasingly radicalised abortion laws. Um, we saw the first of those sorts of laws in Victoria about 12 years ago. And in the last couple of years, we've seen them uh, passed, sadly, in Queensland and New South Wales. So now it's come to South Australia where, under the guise of decriminalising abortion, because while abortion is legal in South Australia... It's only uh, as an exemption to what would otherwise be a criminal offence, and I don't think anyone would argue that the taking of a life uh, is wrong. So abortion, even for those who support them, can only currently be performed as an exemption to what would otherwise be a crime. So under the guise of decriminalising it completely and moving it to the Health Act, what we're actually seeing uh, is a Trojan horse for a raft of other radical changes, first and foremost of which is legalising abortion to birth with only very limited uh, criteria to be met. Essentially, if two doctors agree that it's appropriate for the woman, it can happen. So these are extreme laws, uh, the likes of which, sadly, we are seeing um, appear in our parliaments around the country at the moment. Damien, in South Australia, you're not yet where other states are, and we're talking about uh, Queensland, New South Wales, the ACT and Tasmania, uh, and WA all have these uh, dr- dreadful and extreme abortion laws. Uh, South Australia, as you say, might have led the way uh, 50 years ago, but uh, uh, the good thing for South Australia is it has been slow to uptake this latest change. But if you're talking about uh, what could happen under those laws, uh, uh, the sorts of uh, issues in the bill that's being presented, uh, what will it actually mean for people uh, seeking abortion? Well, ironically, those who have drafted the bill seem to understand um, the the issue of viability, that children are surviving at earlier and earlier ages of birth, which is a remarkable and wonderful thing. Um, You know, we can see that medical advances um, actually have a great benefit to to trying to save human lives. So the reason I mention that is, at the moment, if a person seeks an abortion, it's readily available up to 28 weeks. Under this proposed bill, uh, that similarly 
easy available abortion would be available up to 22 weeks and six days. So removing, reducing it essentially from 28 weeks to under 23. Now, the only reason the person would do that, as I said before, is if you understood something of the issue of viability. So there's almost an admission that a child could survive outside the womb at that point, and yet they're making it readily available if simply two doctors agree. Um, it, it, it's with the same ease with which an abortion could be obtained essentially at the moment, simply two doctors agreeing, and under the, the criteria of the new bill, the need to visit a hospital would not even be there. The need, in fact, to see a doctor would not be there. Um, it will see the, uh, the further rollout of medical abortion, you know, RU486 and the like, um, and involve a whole new raft of health practitioners such as pharmacists who are not really currently involved uh, in the conduct of abortions here in this state. So really, it is going to be quite a, a radical change uh, and, and certainly not a good one. Well, you know, if uh, as the the pro-choice group and uh, what our governments appear to be looking at is this idea that let's just uh, let's just lump that under a health issue and that it can be dealt with, as you say, uh, not even by going to the hospital, but let's just have a telehealth appointment and uh, you can order your own at-home abortion. Uh, when we talk about the ethics of this, Damien, just to uh, just to go a little deeper here, the ethics here are in that an abortion, as Christians, who would say, you know, life starts at conception, uh, and that taking that life at any point from conception is the killing of a human life. So it's really a a liberalising, as you say, that will allow even an at-home telehealth appointment to order a chemical abortion to be had in the home. This uh, This is dreadful. What are your thoughts if you take that a little deeper? Well, it's the taking of a human life. I mean, this is this is one of the commandments, Neil. This is very serious stuff we're talking about. And I think we risk, um, even beyond the individual act of an abortion and what it means for the parties involved, we as a society, to go down this path, uh, are seeing, you know, the opening of, of Pandora's box even further, in, morally speaking. I mean, there's been some discussion even over whether, as Christians... Um, we should be um, we should we should be permitting the moving of this act from the criminal code as an exemption into the health act and treating it like any other health matter. Uh, and would that placate uh, proponents of this bill? Well, firstly, it wouldn't placate them. But more to the point, if we believe this is a person from conception, if we believe this is uh, a unique human life with a soul, how on earth could we simply treat it as a medical act? That is just not possible, I think, morally. Uh, I certainly can't get my head around it, and I, I doubt that too many other people who actually think it through could do the same. So for both the individual and as a society, this is an incredibly dark path we're walking down. Yes, and uh, you know, challenging times, uh, not just as there's a re-education that happens when you change the legal status, but also those health practitioners who are, in fact, going to be the ones, and uh, let's you know, cut to the chase here, mm-hmm. there's a certain sense somebody pulls the trigger if you're taking a life. And uh, whether that is the mother or whether it is the health practitioner who might prescribe that pill, and we might be talking about RU486, sometimes it's uh, considered to be human pesticide, the idea that is mm-hmm. taking a life. But the health practitioners themselves... 
their right to some level of conscientious objection is being eroded here. What are your thoughts for, for doctors? It, it's shocking, Neil, and we've seen this uh, in other states and we've seen it both at the beginning and end of life, sadly, when governments and parliaments bring in these terrible laws. What the pr- current proposal in South Australia would see is a supposed protection of conscientious objection, but which is just a farce. It's It's a fallacy. Under the guise of supposedly protecting conscientious objection, that is a doctor, a pharmacist and so on, would not be compelled to um, conduct or participate in, in an abortion themselves. There are two issues. Firstly, they would be required to in the case of an emergency, and I'm yet to really understand what they mean by an emergency abortion. And the second thing is they must, in all cases, immediately tell their patient that they will not participate and they must refer them to someone who they believe they will. And frankly, no amount of tinkering around with this, uh, tinkering around with it will fix this dilemma. Um, No matter how remote it may seem, any health practitioner who refers uh, a patient is in some way a participant in the process. Um, I know many doctors, nurses and others who are horrified at the mere thought of this. Um, it, It doesn't matter that they're not being asked to pull the trigger themselves, Simply telling someone where it can be done uh, is involvement in that process. And that's the very antithesis of why many of these people have chosen their careers, which is to save lives. Um, so, you know, to be in their position at the moment must be quite horrifying. Interestingly, Damien, if you can see this level of compromise, this level of slippery slope that you can really observe in the abortion issue, uh, what is heating up, uh, of course, at the other end of life in the euthanasia wow. issue is something that you ought to anticipate is fraught with all sorts of dangers as well. Uh, perhaps a quick comment, given that the Queensland state is on its way to an election just a week and a half away, and the Labor Party has made it part of its election platform to introduce euthanasia legislation. I wonder if you've got a quick comment on the uh, on the way this slippery slope tends to work at both ends of life, the young and also the old. I, I think in a perverse and bizarre sort of way, the Labor government up there in showing their, their true colours even further are just pointing to the fact that these issues are inextricably linked. You can't dehumanise life at one end of the spectrum and not eventually, uh, sooner rather than later, they come to do it at the other end. Um, the parallels are quite striking, in fact. So often the vulnerable are either in the womb or uh, frail, aged, sick, dying, are so dependent on others, they have no one to speak for them. Um, they're, they're almost considered a burden on others. The parallels between these two debates are quite striking. And I think um, we need to do more, perhaps, in organisations like my own, in fact, to try and draw that link before people's eyes because too often they see abortion or euthanasia as a personal choice and they don't realise that it affects so many people. Well, the minister who has introduced this bill uh, wants the upper house in South Australia to pass it within weeks. Uh, That's Mm. challenging. I'm wondering whether you've got any thoughts about whether South Australians may be strong enough uh, to resist this idea of uh, liberalising these abortion laws? It's going to be very challenging, Neil, to try and stop in the upper house. We only have a, a very small house of 22 uh, parliamentarians and many of them are already rusted on uh, to one side or the other. But it's absolutely crucial that uh, people make their voices heard now because lower house MPs are already being contacted, even though they may well not debate this until the new year, 
they are watching what's happening in the upper house with very, very keen interest. And by the time it does appear before their house, probably in, in the new year, we will only be about a year out from a state election. So much like what we're seeing in Queensland at the moment, um, parliamentarians need to know that this will be an election issue. It will be formative in deciding which way people vote. So piling onto their MPs at the moment is what we're getting people to do. And I can confidently say people are responding in droves and that's fantastic to see. And might we say here that while we're talking about uh, these sorts of issues typically that have been led uh, by Labor governments uh, in South Australia, there's a Conservative government in power and uh, it would be a tragic thing if if this sort of law passed under a Conservative government. Uh, What are you calling on people in South Australia to do? I mean, what's the process? Can you contact your MLCs, your local MPs? What's the? What do you hope that people will do, Damien? Firstly, Neil, it's ironic that the uh, laws back in the late 60s here were actually also introduced by conservative governments. Mm-hmm. So it seems quite poetic in a way. But look, in terms of what people can do now, um, if they visit the Australian Family Coalition website, we have a very easy uh, form to use, which will allow people to contact their 22 upper house MPs plus their local state MP. Beyond that, in coming days, we're going to be giving people much more information about how they can actually approach their their local MP uh, and make a very very meaningful difference uh, through letter writing, through phone calls and even through personal visits. Well, let me point people to that website where you can take some action in your South Australia. Uh, It's ostfamily.com.au. Ostfamily, that's the website for the Australian Family Coalition. Ostfamily.com.au. Damien Wilde, thanks so much for the update today on 2020. Always a pleasure, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.